This is the Capness HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Capness. Hello, and welcome to Cabinet HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cabinet. Our guest today is Deepak Sukla. Deepak, are you ready to be great today? I hope so, Jason. I hope so. <laughs> Deepak is a founder and CEO of Pearl Lemon, a multi-award-winning SEO agency in London. He bootstrapped the business from his mom's house to a 275K company in less than 24 months. He's since gone on to invest in algorithmic trading, launch a five-figure online course, and continues to grow. Bootstrap and aggressive growth automation are key tenets to anything that he starts. He has been featured in TEDx, SEMrush, BBC, Chesley FC, AppSumo, Bright Talks, and more. But he's not running his agency. You'll find him running marathons, 24 so far, completing Ironman, 2 so far, getting inked. 40% of his body is covered with tattoos or playing with a cat Jenny. Deepak, thank you for being here today. I mean, you're doing a lot of stuff right now. What are you actually focusing on? The, the agency, definitely, Jason. It's, 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 it's a good question. And it's the right question. My, my agency is definitely the focus built, built, building that out as, as, as successfully as I hope to. So Deepak, one thing I like about you, you're really transparent. Like if you go to your LinkedIn profile, I mean, you have it down or you even have, you even have a post for you, you, what you do day to day. Have you found being tr- so transparent has helped you, hindered you, or how's that? What's your opinion on that? Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm really transparent by nature. I, I find that it is helpful for me in terms of how I process things and the information that I want when I ask questions. So I try and reflect that in, in, in my brand and in what I explain to people. And, you know, Jason, I've been fortunate to see that always good things have come of that, you know, even to the extent of me, you know, explaining to you exactly why I needed to re- move rooms, what was happening, why I was doing it. And I, I think that in today's age, and this was kind of signaled maybe by, the, the big brother movement, maybe even or- Orwell and, and the, the, the people do like to really peep in on others' lives. And the more that you allow that to become a gateway instead of like a, a barrier, I think that it can feed back more powerfully into your life with, you know, people's reflection, you and your process and therefore trusting you and wanting to work with you. So I've found it to be nothing but helpful if I'm honest. Yes, I'm a big fan of being transparent as much as you can. I also notice you're, you're on a lot of podcasts. You do a lot, a lot of PR. How's that, mm. how's, how's that helped you out with your business? I, I think it has to be a, a great thing putting your name out there as often as you can. Yeah. You know, there's, so, so, so number one, it definitely has been helpful to exposing, you know, me to new audiences as well as getting the opportunity to really connect with someone about, you know, an aspect of my life, for example, that I wouldn't ordinarily discuss, but it's really significant. With, with podcasts that you go on, there's that piece, the exposure to new audiences. There's number two, the relationship that you build with great people like yourself, Jason, and the opportunity to just, just make friends and build that connection. Number three, it's helped me become a better speaker because I've had to really think about, well, what is it that I'm saying? How is it that I'm saying it? And, and what order should I, you know, communicate my story to the world? Number four, I, I run an SEO agency, Jason. So this helps me get links, of course, because you're going to say, Deepak, I'll link back to your website. It would, you know, be crazy for me as a podcast host 
to not do that for anyone that's on my show. And then number five, I think that you, of course, continue to build and grow your show. And that means over time, I have opportunities for rediscovery by audiences that you have today, as well as audiences that you'll have tomorrow. And finally, number six, yes, there's indeed still a number six. There's also the fact that you'll share it socially. You just told me about a platform I'd never heard of before. You were like, Deepak, are you okay with it being on YouTube? I was like, I know YouTube, I'm an SEO guy. And then I think you said Twit, was it Twitch? Yeah, Twitch, yeah, Twitch TV. Ah, oh, oh, Twitch. So, so, so I've heard of Twitch, but I know, so I, in fact, but I know nothing about it. And I'm like, Jesus, I'm learning. I'm going to be on Twitch. This is great. So I, I would definitely encourage if someone has a strong step story to share, to, to, to reach out with that story because podcasts are only really, really good things to both host and to be on. So can you talk a little about your, about your company, Pearl Lemon? We have been around for October 2016 as a business. We were incorporated. So that would bring us up to maybe coming up to the two and a half year mark. We are 12 to 15 people now. I say 12 to 15 because there's some people that work, you know, contract the contract with us on a part-time basis. There's some people that kind of we hire and then reach out for. So we're 12 to 15. We're two and a half years old. Our specialism is search engine optimization, basically ranking on Google. And the final thing that I'd say is that I'm, I'm a geek dude. I love, I love the technical components of ranking on Google. I love the way that it plays all together. I also love and enjoy the fact that people say, ah, oh, you know, how can you really measure SEO? I see it as a wonderful challenge. And like yourself, and I'm sure many of the listeners, I, I like hard things. And, and, and that's kind of why I do what I do and where we're at. So on your bio, I talked a little bit about SEMrush. Can mm. you talk about some of the tools you use? Yeah, sure. So SEMrush is the central tool, I'd say, in terms of our SEO toolkit. It's the first place that I'd go to if, you know, if Canvas HR approached me as, as, as a business and say, hey, you know, we're looking to increase our rankings for the key phrase, you know, maybe best new podcast 2019 then I would plug your website initially into SEMrush to have a look at the organic keywords, the organic traffic, the growth. I would also pull an audit from SEMrush. Then in parallel, this is the other thing that we do do, is I want to pull reports from multiple software. So I've also bought, for example, lifetime deals for other software, and I'll run basically benchmarking from SEMrush against a couple of other tools. Those tools are SERPstat, SC Ranking, AccuRanker. They're all SEO audit keyword ranking tools. So I'll pull multiple audits at the same time to see kind of what's missing. And then in terms of rank tracking, we'll use Nightwatch, which is really a rank tracking tool that I just fell into. I got emotionally connected to it. Maybe there's better out there, but I like it. It does the job and it's good. And then finally, we use Ahrefs to look at, you know, your backlink profile, your quality of domain. And, and they're the primary tools, I'd say, amongst the others that, you know, I may dip in and out of along the way. Are you just a London focused company, England, mm, European wide? So, so I'm the founder. I'm, I'm, I'm based in London. There's three of us here in, in London, but the company is, is internationally focused. I would say we've, we've got a Western leaning. What I mean by that is we work with English web, language websites. We've done some work with international language websites, but the companies that we work with who can be, I don't know, Austria, Israel, 
Canada, the US, obviously the UK, but all of them have a singular component that they're focusing and targeting upon the UK, the US or the Canadian audience, but generally, you know, English language speaking and the team correspondingly, because I said three, of course, in London, the, the other, you know, nine to 12 are in different countries. There's a India office. There are the content and project managers are in the States, New York and Maryland. I don't even, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. I've got no idea where it is, but, but, but Gabby's there. And then we've a couple of really great young people in Kingston, in Jamaica. I always like just saying, Hey, we've got some people in Kingston because I just feel cool when I say that. So you basically have a, a, remote, a remote company then, right? Exactly. So we have some face-to-face bits here, which were the people you saw just before we got on the call. But generally speaking, to be honest with you, dude, I've, I've not met most of the people that I work with. Yeah, I definitely think remote is the way to go. Because my, my, my take is like, if everyone is like, if everyone is like working in London, you, 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 I mean, you're missing all that talent everywhere else, you know? So I mean, why do that to yourself? Exactly. I agree with, with recruiting. I really just want to, you know, find, discover where the talent is in there. There are golden nuggets and amazing people everywhere. And, and that's what the beauty of being or working remotely really gives you. So I know recently in Europe, you know, data privacy, data security has been has a big, really big thing. I think it's called GDPR. I don't know what yeah. it stands for, but how has that affected your business? It's a good question, actually, because there's a, you know, it's funny. I'm trying to remember the ac- acronym GDPR, General Data Public Policy Risk or something. It has caused a lot of scares, but the reality is, is that for, for my business personally, it has had little impact because we are SEO focused. However, I have launched a second agency recently that focuses on lead generation. So email marketing. And what's been interesting is overcoming the objection or the fear. Can I email people that I don't know, Deepak? So there's that objection that's new in people's minds. The reality is, is that everybody's always messaging someone they don't know at some point in their journey because that's just how you grow, whether it's personally or professionally. And the way it has affected, I think, some businesses is, I think, to be honest with you, Jason, listen, I think it's been positive. If you've got an inactive email list, then you don't need them anyway. If they're not no. opening up your emails, then it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it, it got rid of the vanity list, I think, that, that a lot of businesses have. And there was this perception of, we've just lost a database of 2.3 million people so, 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 so I think that there's been a lot of kind of scares and hypes, but the reality is, is that businesses will recover from these risks or, you know, worries that they've had. And, you know, we continue and we move forward. How has Brexit affected your business? I know that's been in the news lately too. Definitely. You see a lot of, there's been like relocation of businesses has been a big thing. Like a lot of the kind of talent in terms of banks have moved to you know, they've moved either to Europe or they've moved to Ireland in some cases. So that's been one thing. The second thing is that that means that a lot of talent has followed because they're not sure of the future that they'll have from an economic standpoint. So you've seen a lot of international talent that has left London. From a kind of personal standpoint, my partner, she's Italian and, you know, she's had some worries because she's an Italian native as to, you know, my right to work, my ability to build a business here. So there's been an emotional kind of cost in terms of people's worries about their future here, which then impacts, of course, markets and the way that people do business and how people invest when it comes to hiring. I guess the final thing is that the net effect has been a lot of worry and a lot of kind of conversations. And you do see kind of a 
levels of business that are probably bigger than myself, there's been an impact that's been felt. I have not personally been exposed to it beyond those points that I've mentioned. Deepak, who is your target customer? Do you, is it a certain, a certain amount of, do you have to have a certain number of revenue coming in or how does that work for you? I really enjoy working with businesses who do understand what SEO is, number one. I also love working with companies that you know, are in the e-commerce space. We do more and more stuff in the e-commerce space. Why does that happen? I think that number three, a lot of my clients end up being a reflection of me. I'm 32 right now. I've got a lot of either, whether it's the business development manager or the marketing director, or maybe the founder, depending upon the size and shape of the company. I've got a lot of, you know, clients who are, or, you know, a similar age to me. And, you know, e-commerce seems to be, you know, a very popular thing. So if I was to pick one, I'd say e-commerce. If I was to say, well, what does that actual client makeup look like today? We've also got businesses that have nothing, you know, we've got loft conversion companies. We've got demand generation businesses. We've got, we've taken on an email data protection business. So it's, it's very much wider and across the range. But I would say that, you know, e-commerce businesses are a space where we're getting really robust results and I enjoy the speed of e-commerce. So next, uh, two part question. Number one, as you know, there's a lot of people doing what you're doing. The first part, a small business, a business owner. Why should they even go to agency? Why come they say they can't do it themselves? And two, why, how do you recommend them pick an agency that's right for them? I think that really it's just a question of practicality with why not do it yourself. I advocate people doing as much as they can for themselves. But there's a, a big, there's an expression that I want to share with, with, with your audience and you, Jason, that I've come to recognize as being very, very true when it comes to where you want to move with your life and success. and. The quote is that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And for me, that is probably the most important thing when it comes to deciding whether to, you know, hire talented, whether it's staff or agencies to help you on your mission of whatever level of domination it is going to be the busiest cafe on your high street, then all credit to you, sir. I'd love to help you with that journey. If you want to be a cafe that opens up locations across the UK, all credit to you, Mr. Business Owner. I would love to help you on that journey. So I think that that's why it makes sense, depending upon what you want to achieve, to get you know, a third party involved. And then when it comes to choosing agencies, the cultural fit is maybe the number one aspect for me. I think that you've got to enjoy doing business with the people you do business with. Otherwise, there will be such an emotional debt that will come from them not quite responding to emails as quickly as you like, or the data being presented in a way that you don't understand, or getting on a call and finding the person a little bit prickly, or not feeling confident about referring or recommending them because there's a cultural mismatch or not understanding because of poor communication or improper communication. I think that that's a significant component for me as to how people should look and view an agency out of usual checks, which is case studies, client testimonials. Are you eating your own medicine? Are you doing SEO for yourself? Are you anywhere to be seen? This is a big thing for me. I, don't, I wouldn't ever work with an agency who doesn't do SEO for themselves. And there's a big amount of them that don't do SEO for themselves. And that speaks to me of an improper structure internally and improper processes. So there's lots of kind of keys that I would pick out. Uh, but then assuming you've done all of those checks, 
the biggest thing then comes down to me is like, what about, what about our culture? Are you going to get along with me, Jason? Are you going to find me annoying as hell? I definitely say, dude, do not work with me. You will not enjoy it. And there's great people out there who you will enjoy working with. How do you walk through this? Suppose you're on a new customer and we say a month later, like, Hey, Deepak, we're not we're number one yet. What's going on here? How do you mm-hmm. walk through that? Absolutely. So if, if, and, and let's do, let's do role play. If it was you, Jason, you say, you said, Deepak, you came on our podcast. I, I was like really impressed by how you approach things. I want to work with you on SEO. We sign a deal off. 30 days later, I get a call from you. Dude, we've not ranked number one on Google yet. Like, what's the deal? I'd say, Jason, I totally understand where you're coming from. Don't worry. This is literally completely normal. This is a marathon that we're in. Whilst we're not number one right now on Google, here's what I can show you as to the work that we're doing right now to get you there. These are the results that we have currently got to date. If the results yet aren't positive, then I'd say, Jason, we're totally aware of this. The truth is, is that what typically works is not working. And that's okay, because I've seen that happen before as well. When I've done all of the things that I think will work, and then it's still not work, but I always build fail-safes into every plan. All you need to know is that I'm committed to your project, sir, because I really want to still work with you in six months. And you know what? The only way that happens, Jason, is, is, is if I do get you to number one. So please have faith. Please stick with me. Know that this will take some time, but you will be really happy that you know you stuck with us. Okay, I have to guess you get that question a lot, don't you? For people being impatient, just not knowing how the, long the process is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people people will say they understand, and then you discover down the line that what they think or what you know they what they said as understanding is completely different. And and there's lots of nuances that really only come out as a consequence of working with people. And you know you have. We have clients that want daily reporting. We have clients that look at a link and because it isn't pretty and it isn't set up like, you know, a beautiful piece on Forbes, they say that this link looks spammy because it isn't as pretty as the Forbes. Then we have people that say, well, you know, I can go and build a link myself. We, we, we have all manners of objection. And you know what? I'm not even complaining. It's completely normal. Whenever is it a walk in the park and any, I think, business owner that has an expectation that a client you know, is going to be like a walk in the park. I think that it's really not reflective of what a business that's growing rapidly looks like. It can be a consequence of you choosing and picking your clients. But of course, I'm speaking about different things. But yeah, I, you're, you're right. I get, I get objections. And I, you know, what, what, what you really want to do is get to a place where you can answer every objection imaginable because then there'll be nothing that can surprise you. And that's the space that we want to get to, which is actually why I really value objections because I learn more about how to satisfy someone as a consequence of them, you know, kicking up a fuss. I'm like, brilliant. How can I fix this? So it doesn't happen again. So Deepak, we all know that every customer is not a good customer. How do you go about disqualifying people? So the, I guess the obvious thing of course is, is budget that does people do ask me and I tell them, Deepak, how much do you cost? So right now, for example, we cost from two and a half thousand dollars up to $10,000. There was a time where we used to cost $500 a month. Why? I was at my mom's house and I wanted to just make my rent and I bent my back over and it was, you know, related to those components. And now we're just way better because you learn, you grow, you understand. But I think the number one is cost, price, whatever you want to call it. And then number two is expectation. Deepak, we want to rank number one next week. 
And then number three is, is also budget over time. So the budget up front, but then there's also budget over time. So, so a lot of people be like, we charge, we charge, let's, we charge a hundred dollars a month. And you're like, great. And I'd say, can you commit to a hundred dollars a month for at least six months in a manner that's not going to have you looking over your shoulder every three days? Because if that's what taking a hundred dollars from your pocket does to you, sir, then we're probably not a good fit for each other. That's something that I think sometimes gets lost that people don't think about. Well, what if by month three, you've not got the commercial result? People need to have enough budget to last comfortably for six months. And, and, and their, you know, budget, budget over time, expectation, level of reporting, and then maybe business area. Oh, and then also maybe the, maybe the CMS. If you have everything in custom code, we still work with those people, but sometimes we find that the, the development process is a nightmare because a lot of internal developers don't want to be given instruction from an external SEO team. That's something that, you know. That's been a, a new discovery of me recently. That you know, if, if a guy's technical, he doesn't like being told by an outsider who's who's, who's not really technical. Like you're not you're not a real doctor. You're a PhD. That's not a real doctor. That that has come into play, and you know. You, but this is the consequence of also learning. And, and also learning about what you can do and what you can't do that well. And then also where else to disqualify in the future. So change the subject a little bit. I want to talk about your tattoos a little bit. So you have 40% of your body covering tattoos. Can you talk about the process of how you go through like picking a new tattoo or how that works for you? Dude, you know what? I began getting tattoos. My first tattoo, 18 years old, Chiang Mai, Northern Thailand. I was drunk in a bar. And I bet my friend Michael, whom I'd met in Delhi at the airport, we caught a bus all the way to Bangkok together, wound up in Northern Thailand at 18 years old, back in 2004. And I was like, dude, he's like, what's up, mate? I was like, dude, if you get your lip pierced here, because we talked about what we'd like, I'll get a tattoo. And he, we got three beers in and then we were like, screw it. And what happened at that moment was there was a chap right next to me and he had an awesome beard, a little bit like, Jason, he had, he had this really rocking beard. So he had, he had a similar, but he had a ponytail. So then he was, he was standing there at the bar in kind of a tank top. And then he was clamping a mug, like a beer mug. And I was looked across and he had like a scorpion tattoo on his hand. And he had some like pincers where his forefinger and his thumb was. And I was like, dude, that looks so cool as a tattoo on your hand. 20 minutes later, I was on my back getting my first tattoo in Thailand at 18 years old. <laughs> headed off to the jungle a day later. And that was my first tattoo. And that was actually the sign for my family's religion, Hinduism, Orm. It was the Orm sign. And since then, I did always try and get tattoos that had some bearing upon a life experience. So whether that was the marathons that I'd ran, whether that was someone who touched my life, whether that was the cities that I'd been to, whether that was my, my heritage, my, my kind of ethnic heritage, and cultural heritage. But then I ran out of ideas and I started doing stuff like getting Wolverine tattoos because I was like, well, why not? <laughs> so next question. So you, you do a lot every day. Can you tell us how many hours of sleep you get per day? Yeah, sure. So I get maybe, it can be as little as four. It can go up to about seven. I have always catnap. So I wake up very often during the night. I say very often to give, it, to give that a number. I probably at a six hour stretch will wake up two times, maybe. So 
2.3, 2.4 maybe, because sometimes it will be two, sometimes it will be three. I, I rarely go through the night and, and don't sleep or rather, you know, without waking up, sorry. And yeah, something between four to, to seven. I don't remember sleeping an eight hour day. I don't know really if I sleep seven hours, but yeah, between four to seven, I think is a probably fair, fair estimation. I asked a question because looking at LinkedIn profile, you're like, man, does this guy even sleep? But I think that's, for example, that yes, you can do everything. You can yeah. just, you know, you just got to have time management skills and, you know, have some kind of process to your day. I think that's a good example of, of that. I think so, dude. I think that, you know, if you take, if, if people take actions and increase their throughput, which means how many actions and how many decisions can you make in a minute and realizing that there's some decisions that most decisions we don't need to dwell upon. And most people lose time dwelling. They think. And they consider and they ponder. And I'm like, dude, just do it. He's like, oh, but this one's slightly cheaper. I was like, dude, it's five pound difference. Who cares? Just do it. Doesn't matter. We're getting, we're, we're trying to, we're arguing over five pound difference to try and get a 1500 pound result. Why are you even debating the mechanics of something? That is a typical space where people look for the potential fear of loss and, the, and we lose sight. We lose sight of like the, the bigger picture. The bigger picture is the big goal. Stop at nothing. Deepak, next, can you talk about time you were successful in the past, where you learned from this and where we can learn? Dude, I think it was when I was 20, I was 20, in fact, and I went to my first self-development conference and I even forget the chap's name, it was Australian and it was the first time I'd gone to a self-development type of weekend and one of the things that kind of struck me was this notion of, you know, when you do things, even if you're only doing it for a moment, give 110% to the things that you do. Be present with whatever it is that you're doing, even if it's just for a minute, even if it's just for a moment, even if it's for you know a 45-minute podcast in the middle of your day, be present when you're talking to Jason, be involved and be engaged. And that moment led me to realizing that when I was going for my Sunday morning runs, I wasn't playing it at the level that I thought really I was capable of and also that reflected, you know, what was possible. So what I did literally on the last day of that conference was I whacked out my new brand banking credit card at 20 that, you know, had my student debt just waiting to stack up. And I booked Jason Marathon in Chicago, my first ever marathon. Now at the age of 20, I had never run a marathon before. The furthest I'd run was seven kilometers. And I was based in London. I'd never been to the States. It made no bloody sense to go to Chicago. But I booked my return flights to Chicago. I booked my marathon entry. I organized a hotel to stay with me and my girlfriend at the time. I told everybody on Facebook. And I had like a 1,200-pound bill, $1,500 bill. And I was like, Jesus Christ, that's a lot of money when you're 20 years old. But what that set in motion taking that act, taking that big irrational step. Deepak, you could have done a marathon down your road. You could have done, you know, training outside your house. You don't need to go to Chicago. You Dude, that decision was the decision that led me to doing the 25 marathons that I've done today, the ultra marathons, the Ironmen, you know, entering the military, doing all of that has come as a consequence of taking that big kind of irrational step that's that we fear because then you discover what's on the other side. So I think, I guess what I'm trying to say to summarize is that in those moments of madness, when you think, oh, you know, maybe I should see this coach. Maybe I shouldn't. Oh, it's a lot of money. Don't worry about the money. 
doesn't matter if you spend $5,000 with a coach and you don't get a result because you will always get a result because the result comes as a consequence of the fact that you made that decision and that you got on that journey. And you might see the return that's visible to the world in five years from now, but trust yourself and trust me when I tell you you've already begun the journey, brother. You've done a wonderful thing. So follow question. Next, talk about time you failed in the past, what you learned from this failure and what we can learn from this. I entered the British Army with an idea that I'd applied to the Special Forces. In the UK, they're called the Special Air Services, the SAS. And I went on that journey because I thought it would be a kind of cool thing to do and an interesting thing to tell the world. At that time, I was 27. And I went on this weird and wonderful journey that lasted ultimately 18 months, probably end to end, that led me to withdrawing from the process. And I mean, I failed in my endeavor, I guess, to pursue that adventure. And what I really kind of failed to recognize is that when you do things based upon, you know, a perception that you want others to have of you and not doing something because of your love for doing it, then you will invariably at some point fail. And, you know, I made that decision really badly because what was clear was that I did not enjoy the process and it was the wrong time in my life at 27. And I, you know, that was not what was going to be my future. And, you know, I I think that it was a big failing to tell everybody, oh, you know, I I decided to withdraw and people are like, oh, wow, you know, why? I want to tell people this great story about you and it sounds so cool and I can tell my friends at the pub and and you know what, dude, these are their reasons. My reality was that I was dreading going away because I was like, man, I'm going to be told to like, you know, E-S-H-I-T to clean toilets and to do, to, to give up my autonomy, to give up my freedom of time. And that was the biggest thing that disrupted the whole process for me. The physio I enjoyed, the te- technical components I enjoyed, but the lack of and the lack of ability to do anything else outside of that was something that troubled me. So I think that, you know, we should always also, you know, question sometimes why it is we make the decisions that we make. And certainly when you get into something that has huge responsibility, it's, it's, it's important to not to not get into it, but to recognize that, hey, I'm not enjoying the process. What am I going to get out of this? Am I doing it for me or am I doing it for someone else's perception of me? If you don't have someone else's perception of you, then you're not going to end in the place of true success, I think. Because those that succeed in anything in life, they do you know, enjoy large parts of the process because it's the process that will make you successful, not, not, not standing on top of the mountain. It's all the training that you put in the gym at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning when your friends are hungover still in bed and you're there putting in the hours and no one cares about your Instagram chat that you put on there. Those are the guys that win. And you've got to find whatever your 7 a.m. Saturday morning version in your life is that will lead you to that place of success. Deepak, understand you have something for our listeners. Yes. So if you are a fan or do want to do SEO yourself, I have a course that I'm happy to give any of those who sign up through Jason's link free access to. The course costs a couple of hundred dollars. It's really focused upon the, what I call ghetto version of SEO. 
if you want to do things that will move the needle, that aren't technically driven, that don't require any outside help that you know you could do, then this is a course that would make sense for you. It's a couple of hundred dollars with Jason's link. You can have it for free. Deepak, can you share your social media links for yourself and your company so people are going to reach out to you? Definitely. So if you um, are interested in finding out more about my story, then head to deepakshukla.com. You'll probably see a link beneath this video or podcast or wherever you find it. But you could also Google me, Deepak Shukla. Um, and then also my company is called Pearl Lemon, Pearl like a pearl necklace, and then second word, lemon. So you could Google either of those two, Deepak Shukla, Pearl Lemon, and your guys do a bunch of links. Pick whatever takes your fancy. And for listener, we'll have all the links in our show notes. You can find the show notes at www.cabinetshrblog.com. Deepak, we'll come to the end of our talk. Can you provide our listeners any wisdom or advice on any subject you want to talk about? Commit to a path of excellence in whatever you do. And I feel you when I recognize that's easier said than done. And it takes a lot of commitment and sacrifice. But if you pursue excellence in any endeavor, no matter how long or short you're doing it for, I do believe that good things will come back to you. Deepak, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. You have a lot of going on. So thank you very much. Oh, Jason, thank you, dude. I appreciated your time as well. To our listeners, thank you as well. And remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Kavnis HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit KavnisHR.com or connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook at Kavnis HR. Thanks again and be great every day.